turning to the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, very easy to find. Reverend Baxter has just asked me to do his reading. Genesis chapter 11, and we're going to commence reading at the verse 27. Genesis chapter 11. Verse 27, let's hear the word of the Lord. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of his nativity, in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren, she had no child. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife. And they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in these shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Aram. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haram. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. Amen. We know God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his infallible and his inerrant word. We are delighted, of course, as I've said, to have the Reverend Baxter with us. We're going to just ask him now to come and bring God's word. Thank Thank you very much indeed, brother. It's lovely to be with you. Nice to get round the churches um, now that we're supposed to, well, we are retired. And it's also nice occasionally on a Sunday to get to the church we're now attending, which of course is it's time to gee, and uh, it's nice to do that as well. I just said to Mr. McLaughlin, you'll be sitting down in the front row there, and he says, yes, I will. And the reason I said that, uh, it's really for his own personal safety. <laughs> if I was to faint or fall and fell on him 
he would never rise again. <laughs> and that's why I got him out of the pulpit. So, but he's in a very dangerous place because he's in what you call the spray zone. Over in the uh, America, the Sea World place, uh, when you're sitting in the front four or five rows, uh, when they get the big whale, Shamu comes round, he flips his tail and the first five rows are drowned it. And uh, that's like here. Not be just as bad, but you never know when you get liberty what's going to happen. I was smiling when our brother told about the, the man about the, uh, looking for directions. Because when I was in Dungannon, there was a man in Dungannon. I think his name was Brown. And he was a very rare character. And he was standing on the road outside his house when a man did stop and say to him, Excuse me, sir, can you tell me where this road takes you? Well, he says, son, I've lived here over 70 years and it's never took me anywhere yet. <laughs> well, how you say it, isn't it? Will you turn, please, folks, with me to this uh, passage in Genesis that the minister read earlier. Uh, his pronunciation of uh, Abram is the right one, but I just call him Abram, but his, that is the correct way to say it. It's an interesting thing, you know, about Abram's name. God changed it. And he changed it to Abraham. And he did that by the addition of a single Hebrew letter. And it's the fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And five, of course, is the number of grace. I don't uh, say anything more than that, but I think it's significant. Because it was the grace of God that was everything uh, in Abraham's life from the day God called him out of the Chaldees. But anyway, that's just by the way. We'll have a wee word of prayer, please. Father, we do thank thee for this meeting house and for the folk that are gathered here. We pray that you'll bless them day by day and continually help them undertake for your servant who ministers in this place. Lord, we pray that you'll bless him and you'll bless the congregation and grant that, Lord, in future days, Wondrous things will be done in the name of Jesus. May Carrie Duff live with the preaching of the gospel. We remember the prayer of old John Knox. Oh God, give me Scotland or I die. Give us that passion. Give us, Lord, that burden. Now be with us. Close us in with thyself for a little time. And may thy word be profitable to every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first 11 chapters of Genesis cover a period of about 2,000 years. The creation, the fall of man, the story of Noah, the Tower of Babel, and many other things. The last verses of chapter 11, it all starts to slow down. The rest of the Old Testament covers a period of about 2,000 years as well. But the next 13 chapters of Genesis, 13 chapters where Abram appears, is concerned with just a period of 100 years. And doesn't that show you how important a figure Abraham is in Scripture? God only devotes a very little passage of Scripture to the work of creation. We read, He made the stars also. And there's so many stars in the universe, they can't even be computed. No one knows. There are billions of them. He made the stars also. 
But 13 chapters given over to the life of this remarkable man described as the friend of God and the father of the faithful. The nation from which Christ would come really has its beginnings humanly in Abraham. You remember what Jesus said uh, about Abraham before Abraham was? I was. He didn't say I was. Grammatically you think he should have said I was. But he said before Abraham was I am. Isn't that an absolutely tremendous statement indeed? But then he said something else about Abraham. He says your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. You know, don't ever have this idea, folks, that Abraham was saved in a different way from you and me. Or that up until the day of Pentecost, there was no church. There was. And Abraham was saved by faith in Christ, just as we are. He looked forward to Calvary, whereas you and I tonight, today, look back to Calvary. But Calvary is the focal point of it all. And we need to bear that in mind. I just want to run through, if I may, for a short time, you'll discover we're not uh, very long-winded. A famous preacher came once to a church and he was known to be really long, hours. And he decided he was going to do a little study with the people on the, the major prophets. And he did that for about two and a half hours. Then he said, we're going to now look at the minor prophets. And he went on for another while. And at last he came to Malachi and he said, now we come to Malachi. What place are we going to give him? And the man stood up at the back and said, he can have my place. I went home. <laughs> so I don't want you to do that, but I promise you, we'll not keep you too long. I want you to think with me, first of all, please, of the call to Abraham. This call was vital. Not only to him as an individual, but to the whole world. It's really important for the history of the world to realize that God one day in time called Abraham. The book of Deuteronomy <coughs> and the chapter 32. Let me just read you one verse that will illustrate the point. Deuteronomy 32 and the verse 8, I think it is. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, <coughs> he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. In a very real sense, you know, the entire world today is ordered around Israel. What an amazing thing when you think of it. How vital this little country that's so small, you would nearly miss it on the map. We were away for <clears throat> a week last week and I took a couple of books with me and I managed to read just about the both of them. But one of them was the life story of a man by the name of David Ben-Gurion. He was the first Prime Minister of Israel in 1948. What a story. Now Ben-Gurion never claimed to be religious. Never did. But always quoted scripture in relation to Israel, the land, 
and Israel the people. And what he had, he had within him something he couldn't really understand, but he had this inner feeling and sense that he was to lead the people again to the reformation of Israel, the country. And of course, that's exactly what he did. A little man, insignificant. Uh, You'd have passed him by in the street, never given him a second glance. But what a character. That story would inspire you you, as you read it. It's a great read too. But uh, I'll loan it to you if you want it. And if too many want it, I'll loan it to you for a pound an hour. How would that do? That'd be all right. But I want you to think about, about this man, Abraham, and his call. Think of his family. Well, he came from the line of Shem, born about uh, three to 400 years after the flood, some 2,000 years before the Lord Jesus Christ. Roughly halfway between Adam and Jesus, someone suggested. <coughs> Noah, if you read it, we'll not take time to turn to it, but Noah in Genesis 9 put on Shem and Japheth a blessing, a blessing from God upon them both. His father was Terah. We know that Terah was an idolater, a pagan, as the whole family were. Abram was not born a righteous man. He was born a sinner, just like the rest of us. And until God calls you from sin and brings you forth by his word from darkness to light, you'll remain an idolater. You'll remain a sinner. Until the great change, of course, comes about. Abraham, or Abram, was very close to Terah. Maybe too close. Because if you read the story carefully, you'll note that until Terah died, Abram did not really fully obey the call of God. It's when the old man, if you like, was put to death that Abram progressed on with God. It's a good thought, you know. Terah was really a stumbling block to Abram. How easy it is to be a stumbling block to a loved one. Parents need to watch this in relation to their children. How careful you need to be. He had two brothers, Nahor and Haran. He was, Haran was Lot's father. And he died before Terah did. Lot, as you know, was to play a big part in Abram's life. He was also to prove a problem in Abram's life and for Abraham. You read about his wife, and really she was his half-sister, as we can show from the scripture. In the days of Abram, that was acceptable, of course, today in our society, in our world, it isn't. But I'm, I'm just rushing through this to let you see his family, and his fatherland. Where did he come from, this man, who had such an impact on our world's history? He came from a place called Ur of the Chaldees, just where the river Euphrates empties into the Persian Gulf. Geographically now, we're talking about the southeast corner of Iraq, not too far from where the war of 1991 desert storm occurred. It was all in that. Area. It was a very important seaport for trade from India and Africa. It was a good place for raising flocks, but it was a pagan country. It was somewhere where God, Jehovah, was not known, not worshipped, not loved, not honoured. 
You know, in a sense, when we're all born in this world, this world is no friend of the Lord's. It's no friend of God. The world's in enmity with God. Everything about the world is contrary to God's holiness of heart and life for the Christian. Isn't that so? What about his faith? Now, Abram had religion. Man, the place was coming down with idols. It was a false religion. <clears throat> and in this world, there's much false religion. I was in the Civic Centre yesterday uh, for a wee birthday party for one of the grandchildren. And uh, there was a conference in the big hall. The hall, I think, where you used to have the cleft and all these sort of meetings. But it was a conference of Jehovah Witnesses. There was hundreds of them. Everywhere you look, I felt like standing up and shouting something, but I wasn't allowed to do that. But false religion. What's more false than a religion that denies that Jesus Christ is God manifest in flesh? Who rejects the idea of a place of punishment for the sinner? Who refuses to acknowledge that Christ is the second person of the Trinity? Who reject the Trinity altogether? Who have no time for the atonement? <coughs> who reject everything fundamental to our faith? False religion. And friend, listen, it abounds. <coughs> I've been in the headquarters of the Jehovah Witnesses over in New York City, in Brooklyn. It's a massive place. 2,000 people there. They have a hotel where they house a 1,000 of them free. A block of apartments where they house the other 1,000. They have doctors. They have dentists. They have even people to test your eyes and get your glasses. <coughs> They're there voluntarily. They only get a living allowance. They don't get a wage. They're zealous. The place is enormous. They're all over the world. They're on fire for what they believe. And yet, at the end of the day, it's all false. And our world, you know, is saturated today with false religion. That's where Abram was brought up. <coughs> In a religion, every bit is false, as Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons or any of the rest. But one day, God, in his grace and his mercy, led him out. We know that the family worshipped idols. Joshua 24 and 2 tells us that very thing. That the family of Abraham worshipped and were idolaters. They worshipped the stars. They worshipped the moon. But all that changed when God called him forth to go somewhere and he didn't know where. But by faith he stepped out in the promise of God. Listen, if you're in this meeting this morning you're not saved. Maybe you've lived all your life and you've never put your trust in Christ. I want to tell you something. You don't know all about the future for you. Maybe you're worried, well, I would love to be saved, but you know, as people have said to me, I couldn't keep it. I couldn't hold on to it. No, you couldn't, because it's not yours to hold on. Salvation is not yours, it's God's. It's God. And what I'm saying to you folks is this. You need to step out by faith on the promise of God. That's what Abram did. He didn't know where he was going to end up. But he took God at his word. He stepped out by faith, and God Blessed him. I did that nearly 47 years ago 
as a young fella in my teen. And I can tell you, as an old fella, and martyrs used to pray, Lord, it's better felt than felt. It's true. Oh, it's true. Step out on the promises. Get under the blood. That was Abram's call. God came to him, said unto Abram in chapter 12 and verse 1, Get thee out of thy country. <coughs> Didn't say anything more, really. Didn't tell him about destinations, but what he was going to face when he did go. That's his call. It's our prayer that God will call you if you're not saved. I'll tell you something else. It's more than a call, this. It's a command. <coughs> and it wasn't a long, drawn-out affair. God never put theological arguments up to Abram as to why he should do it. He just said, go. And that's, you know, the gospel. First two letters, go. That's all God wants you to do. Come to him. Go to him. Trust in him. You see the plan there, don't you? Get thee out. Here's the thought of separation. He had to separate from a place. God said, get thee out of thy country. He had to separate from a people. From thy kindred. Now that's not easy. And that's not popular. And our own free church was born in that controversial arena of separation. Get thee out. How can we share fellowship with men that deny the Bible? Who have no time for the things of God? Who want union with the church of Rome? How can we be involved? We can't, friends. We've got to get out. That's what the book tells us. I had a struggle with that when I was a young fella of 18 because I belonged to one of these big churches. I wasn't a Christian, but I loved that I was involved in everything. The life boys, the boys brigade, the youth, the thing. I tell all the services, even Sunday night. Some of our fellows would play cards at the back of the gallery while the minister was taking the service on a Sunday night. It's the sort of church I was in. The minister of the church said once he didn't believe the Bible was the word of God, but he believed the Bible contained the word of God. And that's a big difference. And I had to get to a place. I remember going to the meetings in the Ulster Hall on a Sunday night that I wouldn't have missed, listen, for the world. But when Sunday night was over, I was on the bus and away back to the church for the youth meeting at half eight or quarter to nine or whatever time it was until God had to bring me to a place where I realized this is wrong. By my associations with a place that I know I should be separated from, I'm committing sin. And I had to make the break. You know, it hasn't harmed me any. Wouldn't have met the wife if I hadn't have made the break. Some people might think, well, that's a good thing, but it's not a good thing. But you know, it's true that I had to make that break. Man said to me once, very devout, staunch, Presbyterian man, he said to me, you know, you need to get into our church. Think of the salary you would get, he said. Huh? Ah, and of course, my attitude, well, I'm more interested in 
in, in quality than quantity, I said to him. Well, listen, you're looking at me, you've never known me to starve, have you? I haven't lost out on that ground at all. God has catered for our needs. Couldn't say, well, at least you're wealthy because I'm not wealthy. But I'm starved. I'm of knowing the blessing of God within the family, within the church, within the meetings. I look back over 45 years or more, gospel missions and campaigns and ministry and remember folk that were converted and saved and got on with God. That means everything, folks. Amen. All because we listen to the voice of God saying, this is apostasy. Get out. Ur of the Chaldees, Abram, is apostasy. Get out from the country, from your kindred, from friends and family. It's not popular, but it's the way of God. Now, when he went to Canaan, he was a stranger and a pilgrim. That's what we are in this world, you know. This world is not our home. With some of God's people, sadly, you would have difficulty believing that. They're so entrenched in this world and the things of this world. They've lost out with God spiritually. Isn't that the truth? Nothing wrong with being wealthy. I have a couple of friends, you know. I have a friend who has a business worth over 500 million. I think of that. I'm just sorry he's not my brother. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But the love of that, if that's the motivation of your life. A businessman said to me, brother, everything I have, God has given it to me. And if he took it from me tomorrow, I would still praise him. That's the attitude that you should have. That's what matters, really what matters. So, you have it here, and the principle of separation and sacrifice too. Man, it cost Abraham to do what he did, to give it all up, to walk away from it all. Service of, for God involves sacrifice. God just said to him, uh, when you separate, you'll go to a land that I will show you. He didn't say, here's where it is. This is the land. I'll show it to you, Abram. And when you get there, I'll give it to you. I've already given it to you. You've got the plan. You've got the promises. You've got the truth of the promises. The I wills of God in these verses 2 and 3. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will bless them that bless thee and, and all of that. You know what that is, folks? That's infallible promise. God will not go back on his own truth. Amen. The timing of it, it took hundreds of years for some of these promises to be fulfilled. And mind you, to wait is hard in the flesh. I'm quite impatient. I don't like hanging about waiting for things. But sometimes you have to wait on the Lord. And for hundreds of years, some of these prophecies, some of these promises weren't fulfilled. There's a testimony here. Abram was to become the father of a great nation. You hold in, in your hand the word of God. 64 of its 66 books were written by the sons of Abraham. The Jews, 
You've only two books in the Bible written by Gentile. But from Abraham, greatest of all, sprung the lion of the tribe of Judah. You see. This is how God, and this is why all nations of the earth are blessed. Because Christ came from the loins of Abraham. Isaac, Jacob. Abram's name is great. Even the Muslims, you know, trace their origins. And quite rightly in this sense, to Abraham. What a man he must have been. And you know the gospel is found, and this is the wonderful thing, in the promises God gave to Abraham. Let me tell you a verse. We're almost finished. I just want to make reference to it. In the book of Galatians, chapter 3 and verse 8, we read these words. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. That's the gospel that he preached to Abraham. The wonderful thing that this gospel given to Abraham is our gospel today. There's a call here. There's a command here. There's also a commitment here to Abraham. We say finally, God committed himself to this man and Abraham in turn committed himself to this God. That lovely expression in verse 7 of chapter 12 where we read, the Lord appeared unto Abraham. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. You remember the day the Lord appeared unto you? Can you think of it? Wasn't a blinding vision, but he appeared. Just as real as he appeared to Abram. Because when he appeared to Abram, he spoke to Abram. And it was the word that was spoken that compelled Abram to do what he did. Friend, that's why I say to you, if you're not saved, do what God tells you to do. Step out in the promise. And if you're a Christian, you want to know what to do with your life, it's not hard to find out. Be ye not unwise, it says, but understanding what the will of God is. May the Lord make us faithful and true, like Abraham was, and bless his word to our hearts. Amen. Thank you. I do want to thank God's servant for preaching God's word this morning and reminding us about the early part of the life of Abraham. A tremendous blessing it has been. Thank you very much, uh, Reverend Baxter, for that very faithful exposition.